why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you throw your hand up, we'd love to get a Bible into your hands. If you forgot your Bible or didn't bring a Bible, for sure, throw your hand up. Grab one of these Bibles here. If you don't own a Bible, take one of these home as our gift to you. Turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going we're to be starting in around verse 40 of Luke chapter 8 this morning. If, if you're, you're new to the Bible, Luke's in the New Testament. So kind of like cut the thing in half and start moving to the right. You'll hit Matthew, Mark, Luke. All right, Luke, Luke chapter 8. As you're turning there, if I were to ask you this question, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made in your life? Or maybe ask it this way, what's your biggest regret? Like if there was one thing that you could have a, a do-over, you could go back in time and say, I wish that would have changed. Either something you did, something done to you, something that happened around you where you said, if I could just change that, if I could just step in and something could have changed in that. So, so that, that that experience wouldn't become part of my memories. I mean, it's one of those questions that that for some of you, you could answer that quickly. You, you know what that is. For, for many others here, even asking the question, it's like me pressing in on an old wound. You're like, don't ask that question. And, and you begin to think of that, that, that thing that you would change. You begin to think of that shame that builds up and you can feel it in your stomach. You can feel it in your heart. It's, it's definitely that, that experience, that decision, that, that shameful thing you did or the shameful thing done to you or, or around you. It's not something that is easily talked about. We for sure are okay with a pastor asking in a rhetorical sense, but, but to actually sit down and go, hey, would you share with me that deepest, darkest, shameful secret you have? How difficult that is. And yet, yet shame has this way of spilling out into our lives and affecting the way we live our lives. In fact, a lot of psychologists call shame, it's the, the swampland of the soul. It's this dark sometimes mysterious, but, but deeply affecting condition of our hearts. Where guilt comes in and guilt says, hey, you've done something wrong. Shame steps in and says, you are something wrong. And even as Christians, we can hear the good news of the gospel that because of Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection, that we can leave the courtroom with God as a judge and we can leave the courtroom with God saying, you are free. And we walk out of there still feeling unclean. Look, like, I get it. I get what God says but I sure don't feel righteous. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel covered and clean. And we walk out really not believing what God says. And, and shame creeps in and makes us feel worthless, makes us feel dirty, makes us feel unlovable, unforgivable. And so what do we do? We, we scramble to try, to try to compensate for this, don't we? We try to, try to, okay, what are some things I can do? We engage in this long list of, of broken behaviors where, where maybe we blame other people. We lie, we hide, we, we jump into perfectionism, we, we compensate with success, with work, with power. We, we could run to addictions and eating disorders and, and at the very worst, where shame could take us all the way to taking our own life. Anything to take away that sting of shame. All of this to say this, that, that shame robs us of that abundant life that we're promised in Christ, this, this life of belonging, this life of no fear, this, this life of freedom and joy and peace and and here's the catch-22 with shame. What can set us free from shame 
is the very fear that grows the roots of shame. What can set us free is coming. I was saying, here it is. But if that's the very fear that says, no, you got to keep that hidden. So we work so hard to keep the shame hidden. And all the while it grows deeper and larger in the dark. But that fear of being open about our shame, it, it actually grows the pain deeper. And you can see the impact of this shame hidden, the impact all over the place. I was reading uh, 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 this article that was talking about a book that a Harvard researcher had done where he looked at all the prisons and all the mental institutions in all of New England. And he was saying, what's the common thread through here? What's going on that fills these places up? And he said this, he said this remarkable thing. He said, you can't, you, you can't find one violent crime that you can't trace back to hidden shame. Every violent crime, he said, you could trace back to a deep feeling of hidden shame. But listen, it's not just criminals. Uh, Brené Brown, she's another researcher. She's zeroed in on shame in such a unique way. She says this, the experience of feeling unworthy is universal. No matter what hides out in our past, Everyone, save for sociopaths, experiences some degree of shame, and this messy emotion turns up in most familiar places, including appearance of body image, family, parenting, money, work, health, addiction, sex, aging, religion. She says this, to feel shame is to be human. But we know when we read in Scripture there was a time when there was no shame. We read in Genesis before sin entered the world that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. They were naked. I mean, that's a reality. They were actually naked. But it's also this beautiful picture of here they are, completely exposed lives to each other and feel no shame. Imagine that. But then sin enters the picture, and what's the first thing they do? Even before they start blaming each other, even before they start blaming God for sin, what's the first thing they do? The first thing they do is they hide. They cover. They cover themselves up. But here's the amazing truth about shame. Scripture speaks to it. I mean, I, I love that when you read through Scripture, you, you read front to back, you see it a story where it, where, it, where it talks about shame from front to back. It's honest about shame. It's honest about the, the impact of shame in our lives. It, it shouts out the truth that, yes, there is shame, but it can be brought into the light and it can be cleansed. Scripture is so overwhelmingly loud about this one point that there's, there's more hope beyond just the, hey, just say good things about yourself. Just, just play some mental gymnastics. Just, just push the shame aside and tell yourself how good you are. No, Scripture goes deeper than that. And Scripture says, no, Christ faced our shame head on. Dealt with the underlying cause. Conquered sin and death and shame on the cross. He took all our shame. And now he speaks a better word over us and, and he continues to pursue us and, and, and pursue us until we stop hiding our shame, stop faking it, and we finally hold open our hands and say, here's my shame. I trust that you can take care of this. I trust you, Lord. I trust you can clean this. So as we jump into the Gospel of Luke here, and we, we're going to see Jesus pursuing us and cleansing us. Look at verse 40. 
It says, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. If you're taking notes this morning, here's our first point this morning, dealing with my shame. We need to jump in. What does it look like to actually deal with my shame? And, and here in this text, we see Jesus as he returned. He, he's come over from the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He'd been over on the other side. He'd been healing this demon-possessed man. He shows back up on the shores again and instantly met with another crowd of people pressing in, just waiting for him. The first one we read about here, Luke points out this Jairus guy. He, he's a respected leader, a religious leader. And his daughter's sick and dying. And, and in, in, in so much need, this respectable man falls on his knees and begs Jesus for his help, pleading with Jesus, so humble, so needy. But, but Jairus wasn't the only person in this crowd looking for Jesus. There's this woman who had this discharge of blood. And it's interesting, she, she doesn't even get a name. Jairus gets a name. She doesn't even get a name. That, that, you, you think about how, how on the outside of, of society she is. She's not even named. She's just a woman. And we don't know what the specific issue was for her, whether it was a, a tumor or a disease of her uterus, but whatever it was, it caused her to constantly menstruate. Now, you, you need to understand what this would mean in Jewish culture. For a woman in Jewish culture at this time, she was considered unclean until her cycle was over, until the bleeding stopped. And then while she was unclean, she, she, she was isolated from everybody else, even her husband. She couldn't go to the temple. Nobody could make contact with her. Everything she touched became unclean. Now think of this woman. 12 years. 12 years she's been a social outcast. I mean, if she was married before this happened, if she's older, if she was married, I'm sure she'd be divorced by now. If she wasn't married, there was no way a man would want to marry her. For 12 years, no one's touched her, no one's hugged her, no one's put a hand to pray with her, no one's kissed her, no, no one's held her hand. She hasn't had physical contact for a dozen years. Isolated, lonely. Listen, shame grows in secrecy. It grows in silence. It, it grows in isolation. It, it survives when we don't speak about it. That's where shame gets its power. It gets its power in the dark. And, and here's this woman. No one wants to be with her. No one's talking to her. No one's sharing with her. And look what it says in verse 43, at the end of that verse, it's, this has been going on for 12 years. It says, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. I mean, she spent her whole life, her whole income trying to, to, to cover this up, trying to fix this so, so she could be okay again, so she would be clean again. She's called unclean. She's trying to become clean. And I mean, I actually looked up what some of the doctors would have said to her in that time. If you read in the, in the Jewish Talmud, it, it, it says, for this condition, this is what it says to do. Take the gum of Alexandria, the weight of a small silver coin, the alum of the same. Let them be bruised together and given in wine to the woman who has an issue of blood. 
if this is not benefit, take of Persian onions, three pints, boil them in wine, and give her to drink and say, arise from the flux, thy flux. If this doesn't cure her, set her in a place where two ways come together. Let her hold a cup of wine in her hand and let someone come behind her and frighten her and say, arise from thy flux. I guess they figure it's like hiccups. I don't know. Like if I can scare her, maybe it'll stop. Oh, wow, that works, right? Actually, the craziest one that I read was this one. The Talmud recommends this, that the afflicted woman carry with her a barley corn that has been taken from the droppings of a white female donkey. I mean, we laugh at that, right? And yet, and yet, yet, if you think about all that we do when we carry shame, all the ways we deal with it, so trying hard to either hide it, conceal it, fake it, or, or thinking of ways, how do I clean this shame out? I mean, shame tells us there's no solution here. There, there's something terribly wrong about you and that the cross that, that saved you isn't enough to actually solve you. And, and so we do our best to try to manage the shame. And instead of letting God resolve the shame. And what happens is our, our lives end up looking a bit like a, a whack-a-mole game. Have you ever played that in Chuck E. Cheese, right? Where the, the little mole or the gopher comes up out of the hole and you have to hit it with that, that hammer, right? Or play that. And they, they keep coming up more and more and more and faster and faster and faster. And, and, and our lives end up looking a bit like that. And for a while, when you start playing that game, you're like, man, I'm doing good. I'm keeping the, the gophers down. I, I can do this. And, and same with our life. For a while, it works. We can push our shame back down. And, and we use the, the hammer of hiding. No one's ever going to see this shame. No one will ever hurt me like this again. And we hide. Or, or we hit with the shame of perfectionism. I'm never gonna be shamed again and so I'm gonna do this perfectly and I'm gonna make sure that you're perfect as well and, and man, you better, you, better, you better work hard for your worthiness by performing, by perfecting, by pleasing, by proving and we hit down the shame or, or we power up and we seek a place of power. If I get a, a job with status, if I have a, a position of power, if I can use my stuff or my work or my money or, or, or we, we hit it down by, I'm just gonna live differently. I'm, I'm gonna be somebody else. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be someone different. Or we hit it down by blaming others, by lying and hiding, by, by, by using substances or using people or using our image, anything to hit down the shame. And, and we think we fixed the shame. We did, it's working, it's working, and more pops up. You know, for me, there was a, a moment in time where in my life, I can see where shame began to take a grip on my heart. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but as, as I got older and began to see struggles in my life, began to see even my marriage beginning to be unraveled because of this, the, the brokenness and the pain and, and, and how I was responding, what hammers I was choosing to use to hit down these roots of shame. And, and for me, I mean, it goes all the way back to the fifth grade. Um, I, I was mercilessly bullied in the fifth grade. Um, I, mean, I, I remember even now, even just thinking about it, my gut kind of goes a little bit. I, I remember it, sitting in class as the clock was getting close to the time school would end and I would be planning, what's my route home today? How do I get home today so that gang of older kids doesn't find me and beat the living daylights out of me? Every day, thinking through that. Every day, how do I get home without being beat up? How do I do this? And it, this goes on for, for most of my grade five year. I still remember the names they would call me. I'm not gonna tell you, some, some of those names, I don't even tell people what they were because the shame they still carry. I'm 45 years old. 
And still the impact of that, the, the deep pain in my gut just thinking about it. And, and, and now, older on the other side of this, I can see that, that little grade five version of me saying, I will never let this happen to me again. And I began to hit down the shame. I mean, I'd hit with humor. If I just make people laugh, that'll take care of it. I'll be okay, you'll be okay, we'll be okay if we're laughing. I, I hit with sarcasm. If, if I could hurt you with my words, there's no way you'll ever get to hurt me again. I, I hit with image and popularity. Where I, I, would, I, would, I probably wouldn't say this out loud, but my heart was saying, I will never find myself on the outside again. So I will sacrifice whatever it takes to sacrifice to never be in that place again. Never to be like that again. I, I need to be loved and known and I'll do whatever it takes. And so I would hide my flaws, hide my mistakes. I became very good at wearing whatever mask it would take to cover up that shame. And listen, eventually, like this woman, we spend our entire life hitting the shame back down. Therapists put their children through college teaching us how to hit them more quicker, all right? Here's more techniques to hit quicker. And there, there came a time for me where I had to lay down the hammer and, and surrender and say, listen, I can't do this anymore. Here's my shame. And, and here's the sin that's come out of that. I mean, it's not shameful to talk about being bullied, but, but to, to actually talk about here's the sin I pursued in that. The woman here in Luke is done. She's spent, and, and maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you finally come to the place where, where you see that, that no behavioral mallet, no trick, no technique can hit that lie that, that releases that mole of shame. This woman, she's out of money. She's isolated. She's humiliated. Her condition is worse than ever. She has no husband, no children, no money, no church, no hope. And she hears that Jesus has come to town. It's in that moment she goes, maybe this. Maybe this is where my shame is dealt with. Look at verse 44. She came up behind him and touched the, frim, the fringe of his garment. And immediately, her discharge of blood ceased. If you're taking notes, our second point this morning is this, trusting Jesus with my shame. Trusting Jesus with my shame. She, she heard Christ was coming. She goes, this is it. Maybe this is my hope. And, and, and she suffered physically, socially, economically, psychologically. And I'm sure she wondered, if only, if only I can touch Jesus. Do you wonder what the battle was like, though? I wonder if while, while she's moving through the crowd, she's thinking, I'm touching people. I'm making them unclean. I wonder if I reach out to Jesus. I wonder if I touch him, I'll make him unclean too. You think of the lies she would have believed. I can't go to church. I, I can't join a small group. I, I can't have close friends. I'll infect everyone. Maybe it's you this morning. Or maybe it's the opposite of that. I, I, I can't connect in relationship. I can't come to church. I, I'll be shunned. I'll be, I'll be looked at like I'm weird. I'll be pushed to the outside. I won't fit in at all. I, I believe this woman here, though, finally got to the point where she could hear the Spirit speaking the truth of God's Word louder than the lies she was believing. And finally, she got to that place where she could hear him say, stop believing the lies. Who cares about the people around you? Make your move towards him. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a doctor. He's not just a healer. It's Jesus. Go to Jesus. 
Push through your shame as you touch all those people in the crowd who, who would have recoiled because they would have known her. It's, just, it's probably a small town. It, it would have been known. The Spirit of God just pressing into her saying, go to Jesus. He'll make you whole. Then I notice how she approached Jesus. She came up behind him and she touched the fringe of his garment. So, so she would have crawled up behind him, crawling on hands and knees in this, this place of, of, you just even see as she's touching Jesus, she's still in this place of shame. Reaches out and, and she touches the fringe. It's, it's that, that blue material that would have been around the, the rim of a rabbi's robe. And, and even, even um, Jews and, and Israel still, if you're a rabbi, you still have these, that, that blue fringe. You know what it represented? It represented the holiness of God. Right? And so if you're like a really good rabbi, you're like, hey, 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 I'm gonna sew a really wide one on mine because I got a lot of holiness in me, right? And that's what she reads. So she touches this, this part of, of Jesus' robe, this, this thing that represented the holiness of God. She reaches past her fear, through her shame, and she reaches out in faith. Here's what I want us to see this morning, that, that, that it's an act of faith what she did. I mean, when we hear faith, it can seem so airy-fairy. Like, what's this faith thing? It's this weird spiritual thing out there. And listen, it's this simple act of reaching out to Jesus. I mean, that's, that's what faith is. It's reaching out and saying, I'm going to believe this. I'm going to trust this. I'm going to know that this is a greater truth than what I believe about my shame. In that instant, her, her soul is healed. Her body is healed. She becomes a worshiper of Jesus, the power of God unleashed in her life by faith. And I love this. She doesn't make Jesus unclean. Jesus makes her clean. She, she couldn't touch anybody else because if she touched them, they would be unclean. They'd have to go through all these ceremonial washings to be made clean again. But she reached out and because Jesus is pure and sinless and good, because Jesus is God, when she touches him, he doesn't become unclean. She becomes clean. Listen, I need you to hear that. This morning, that, that, that the shame that you might carry this morning, that, that you would hear the truth of this. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, whatever you carry with you that says, no, this is who I am, this is how dirty I am, reach out to Jesus in faith. You don't make him unclean. He makes you clean. And, and the power of God is in, unleashed in your life to give you new life. I mean, really, she's just a picture of all those who have, by faith, reached out to Jesus to re receive new life. And, and we've got this, this place here of, of her faith. Her faith, not, not just thinking good thoughts, not just better behavioral modification techniques, not just if you think these things. No, no, it's reaching out in faith saying, I can touch Jesus because he can make me clean. Not, 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 I can reach out because, you know, even though the shame says this, I'm actually a really good person. No, 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 no. You're walking through the shame of I'm dirty, but Jesus can clean me. She reaches through the shame to Jesus as her hope. Her, her hope's not deep inside her. Her hope is Jesus. And so, so for us today, what's this mean for us? I tell you, I've read so many articles and so many uh, uh, books and stuff just as we've been preparing for this series and, and hearing how, how much psychologists, I mean, they, they, they dig so deep and so many wise men and women who understand the implications of shame in our lives, in our culture, but they miss this one thing. They miss the roots of the shame. 
And God's word doesn't hide from that. God's word doesn't hide from shame. In fact, I gotta tell you, trying to choose a passage to preach on this morning. Hey, what's a good passage where we can see shame and Jesus? I can tell you, man, I could have picked just about any story in the gospels. Because over and over, you see this. You see, wow, there's shame again. Hey, there's shame again. There's shame. And Jesus steps into the shame. Scripture says, yeah, there is shame. There, there, there's a cause for this shame, and it's a very real cause. There's sin, and the, and the imagery the Bible uses over and over again is that that sin makes us unclean. Sometimes we're made unclean because of the sin we do. Sometimes we feel unclean because of sin done to us. We're like this woman here. She didn't do anything, but she's just in a world broken by sin. And this is the condition of our world today, that, that this is the world we live in, that, that we are actually, apart from Christ, we are unclean in the eyes of a holy, perfect, righteous God. And ultimately, that, that, that uncleanliness leads to death. And so we're desperately searching, how can I be made clean? The, the language of the Bible, I mean, it, it's so seen in our human experience where, where, yeah, that's just it. I just want this filth and damage cleaned off of me. I just, I just want to be clean. Again, you, you see it when you talk to people who have so much shame. They're like, it just feels like I'm filthy. I want to, like a shower doesn't do it. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter who we see. It doesn't matter how much we spend unless we reach out to Jesus. That, that, that condition of uncleanliness due to sin is, is ever-present. There, there is no hope, no help apart from Christ, apart from his substitutionary death on our behalf and his resurrection from the grave. I mean, you see this picture all the way through the Old Testament, just time and time again. Hey, how do we be made clean? And, and the whole sacrificial system set up with, with priests who would go through ceremonial washings and put on white robes and take a perfect spotless lamb that they would say, this is the lamb that will take on the sins of, of our people. And, and, and we see it over and over again. This is how we be clean. And then Jesus steps in as the ultimate perfect cleansing sacrifice where on the cross, Jesus just didn't take care of the penalty of our sin. He stared shame in the face and defeated it. He took the shame associated with it. He took the, the feeling of, of, of filthiness, of, of unworthiness, that, that shame that, that destroys your reputation. Scripture says that Jesus was despised and rejected. That shame that silences us and we don't feel like we can even speak. Scripture says that Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Like not saying a word as a sheep, he didn't open his mouth. That, that shame that exposes our weakness while Jesus hung on the cross, they mocked him. Hey, why can't you save yourself? That shame that leads to abandonment, the feeling of I'm, I'm alone in this, while Jesus hung on the cross and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That shame that exposes us and dehumanizes us. Jesus hung naked on a cross as gawkers walked by. How did Jesus handle that unbelievable shame? Hebrews 12.2 says that for you and I, he endured the cross despising the shame, scorning the shame. Really, really, another way to say it is mocking the shame, saying, shame, is this all you've got? Is this what you're gonna pour on me? Is this it? Bring it on. Let me bear the shame of the world. Let me bear the load of sin. Let me take the guilt. Here I am. Crucify me. Shame, try to destroy me if you can. 
And what Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus says to us now because of his death and resurrection, he says to you and me, hey, listen, shame can't take you out. Shame doesn't define you any longer. Shame, just like death, has the sting taken out of it because of the cross. So we bring all our shame to Jesus, all our uncleanness, all our filth, bring it to Jesus, and he gives us a life that's clean. Last point this morning, and we wrap up with this, bringing my shame into the light. With, with knowing the truth of the cross, knowing what Christ has done. And, and you, you gotta try to imagine what's going on with this woman. Here she is, she's healed. She, she knows she's healed. She stopped. She's probably still on the ground going, something happened. I'm, I'm healed. And, and I can imagine if it was me, I'd be laying there going, okay, just, just keep going, Jesus. Don't, don't stop. The crowd keep moving and then I can get out of here with my shame dealt with. And, and what happens though? Verse 45, Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When, when all denied it, Peter said, love it, Peter always speaks up. If there's a space for someone to say something, Peter's jumping in with some brilliant words. Here's his brilliant words. Master, the crowds are surround you and are pressing in on you. He's like, everybody's touching you, Jesus. But Jesus said this, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. I think Jesus knew who touched him. Don't you think Jesus knew who touched him? I think he wanted her to identify herself. Uh, I think he wanted her to move past the shame, past her fear to say, I'm here. Here's my shame. Here it is in the light. Here's where it can be healed. Let's keep reading verse 47. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people. Listen, listen, exposing it all in front of everybody. This isn't just a little private moment between her and Jesus. This isn't a little private prayer. This is her in the, in the midst of community. And she declares in the presence of them all why she had touched him and how she'd been immediately healed. And he said to her, listen, this is so awesome. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. His daughter. I mean, I love that. She exposes her shame. I'm the one who touched you. Here's why I did, because I'm so unclean. And he, in tenderness, calls her daughter. You know, this is the only place you see Jesus calling someone daughter. Think about that. She doesn't have a Jairus who's come to Jesus. She doesn't have a dad who, who cares so much for her as his daughter that he'll go seek out Jesus for her. She's alone. She, she doesn't have someone saying, hey, hey, precious one, you wait here while I go get Jesus. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith, not a doctor, not some quack cure, not some religious ceremony, not, not, not some, some mantra you say over in your head, not some behavior modification. He goes, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. After 12 years of misery, her faith brought her to that place of, of contact with Jesus and she's made whole. And here's my hope for you today. There may be some here and you're like, man, I can relate to that story. I've got a lifetime. I've got years and years of this. I've been on this journey of misery and fear and isolation and you've come now to a place where you recognize I need contact with Jesus. My hope is that even this morning you would reach out and be made whole. 
Jesus wasn't offended when she grabbed the hold of his shirt. He didn't recoil at her going, ah, you're unclean. No, he, he, he made her whole. Your sin, your shame does not make Jesus back up. And so as we end off this morning, we're going to end off where we began. Listen, silence is the sound of shame. It's in the dark that shame grows. And Jesus wanted this woman, hey, bring your shame out into the light. Bring your shame to a place where you could be healed. And Jesus outs her to restore her. So what about you this morning? We have a choice. We can stay hidden. We can stay alone. We can experience the loss of growing shame. Or you can see your need and you can take a risk. She had to press through all those people. She had to walk through her shame to get to Jesus. She had to believe the truth of Jesus more than the lies of her shame. Our solution isn't, hey, believe you're worthy right here, right now. No, our solution is to receive the worth of Christ on the cross. So, so that today you can move past blaming, you can move past hiding, you can move past lying, you can move past excusing. And, and today you can say, this is my shame. Here it is specifically. Here's the sin. Here's the cause. Here's the root. Here's the things that I've been doing. Here's what's been done to me. Here's what I've been carrying around with me. Here's my shame. That when Jesus says, who touched me? You can say, it's me. This is why. You know, Hannah's going to come up and, and she's going to play a song over us this morning. And like this woman, faith means stepping out. There's, a, there's an action to this. And so this morning, I want to ask you to do the same. And what's that going to look like? Well, well maybe it's going to look like pressing through the fear and you coming up and just getting on your knees here as an act, as a, as a movement, as a, I'm putting feet to my faith this morning. There are going to be people up here, uh, elders and small group leaders. Maybe it's grabbing someone and going, can I just talk? Can I just, can I just expose this to you so you can pray over me, so that you can speak words of truth over my life this morning so I can move past this shame to healing? I don't want to hide it anymore. I don't want to keep it to myself any longer. Maybe it's grabbing somebody who's with you and saying, hey, would you walk with me? Hey, would you come pray with me? I don't want to go to the front. I don't, I don't want to hide anymore. I want to make an act of, I don't care who sees. Listen, we're all busted up, broken people here, right? You're in a fellowship of busted up people. You have a broken pastor who needs to reach out and touch Jesus. Don't let your past hold you back. Jesus makes all things new. And maybe you're like the woman and you've tried everything and Shame's damaged your marriage. And now you're surviving by pouring yourself into your kids, into, into, into your job. Your, your, your mind is going to places that you never thought it would go to towards even just flirting with the idea of maybe if I had somebody else outside of my marriage. Or maybe you're just entertaining yourself to death. And you're pursuing anything to find that healing. You're, you're pursuing addictions or work or image or relationships. Listen, Jesus can clean the deep part of your soul. The gospel is this, that God turns dirty outcasts into sons and daughters. 
what you think about God is gonna determine how you approach him. It's, it's, it's about understanding who Christ is and, and where, where you say, I am, I am gonna be hopeless in everything else but Jesus. This woman, she was so sure of Jesus' compassion, she said, I'm gonna reach out, I'm gonna risk. Because she so believed in his compassion, she exposed her weakness to him. It was me, here's my shame. And he didn't just wanna heal her body, he wanted her to be known as a daughter of the king. And so right now, I'm gonna call the prayer team up and they're gonna come right up here right now. And maybe even for you, maybe even before we start singing, you're like, I gotta move now. I gotta make this move now. I've got to get up and I've gotta, I gotta get on my knees to, to say, Jesus, I need, to, I need you here. I need you in this moment of shame. My prayer is that, that today you begin to experience the cleansing of the gospel, even as you come now. say this is the lie I've believed the lie that's anti-gospel and that, that this morning you say I'm not going to put on that shame anymore I put this coat of shame on for far too long I don't want it any longer I want to take this off and put on the, the gospel that says that I've been given new clothes that I, I'm not going to submit to the shame any longer I'm going to repent I'm going to believe the provision that Christ has for me more than I'm going to believe the lies of this shame And so let this morning be the morning where you turn from that shame and you begin to believe Jesus more than the fear, more than the shame, that that you fight through the unbelief, you fight through your past this morning. Hannah's gonna sing now. Listen, listen, I know our culture tells us to stay quiet and stay private. So here's what I'm praying. I'm gonna pray it right now. I'm praying for God to do a supernatural move that we, we wouldn't be normal. We wouldn't be like we normally are, where, where the pastors just come forward for prayer and we're like, no, I'm not doing it. I know the Spirit's moving, but I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm praying this morning the Spirit moves in a new way, in a fresh way, where you say, I'm not hiding anymore. This is my first step towards healing. I'm not hiding the sin. I'm not hiding the shame. I'm not hiding what I've carried for so long. I'm gonna find healing, and I'm gonna start today. Let me pray. I'm not even gonna get us all to stand up. We're gonna stay seated as Hannah sings, and if you need to stand up, and say, I'm pressing through the fear this morning. Would you do it? Lord, Lord Jesus, I just pray this morning that by the power of your spirit, you would draw people to yourself. God, beyond the, the normal of what we normally can do, God, there, there's a, a great fear here to keep our shame hidden, yet we know that it's only when we bring it into the light that there's healing, that there's hope, that others can rally around us and point us to the truth of the gospel. Lord God, may there be repentance this morning of hearts that have pursued other ways, that we'd see a hopelessness in that except all our hope in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you come now? Would you come to the altar?